This is October Gallery Podcast. My name is Mercer, and I'm sitting here with David Lawrence. He's a local, um, well, he's a Philadelphia-based artist, originally out of Brooklyn. Uh, David, hello. How are you? Great. How's it going? Good. First, uh, I know we're going to talk about briefly, not briefly, we'll try to get into the state of African-American art today. But first of all, let's talk about your work. Uh, give us an idea of what you do. Well, primarily, I am a mixed media artist. I work in all kinds of mediums from watercolors, oils, acrylics, pastels, composition, leafing, collage, and I mix them all together into different styles like cubism, abstract, figurative, and my own two styles, pyramidism and metamorphosis. Okay, now, most of your work today that I have seen I would say it's abstract. Correct. But years ago, I would have said it was more realism, more figurative. Is, is that a correct analysis? Yeah, I've always, uh, not straight up figurative, I would add the figure into the abstract as the focal point of the abstract. Mm -hmm. Okay. Color? Color is important to color you? Color is the most important thing. I look at color as like the melody of, a, of an artwork that draws the viewer's eye to the work. Uh, I focus on two things, colors and shapes. Okay, colors and shapes. Yes. That's interesting. Okay, have you always approached your artwork that way? Yes, I felt that I didn't want to be a portrait artist because that, to me, represented it had to look exactly like the person. If it's a little off here or there, then the person comes to you and says, that doesn't look like me. So I've stayed away from that, and I focused on what I consider a niche. And my niche is that I am a mixed media artist. I never believed that you should only create in one medium. Although I did start out as my primary love was, was oils. And when I was going to school for it, I mostly worked in oils. But then I started developing other different mediums and incorporating them with oils. And that sort of created my niche for me. Okay, all right, let's move into today's topic or what we want to talk about today. Uh, and that will segue with, with what we talked about, your artwork. Um, you do set up as an exhibitor, as a vendor. Give us an idea of what it's like to be an exhibitor, to be a vendor today as an African-American artist out here trying to sell your artwork. Well... I consider myself first and foremost a fine artist. So I don't kind of like the term vending or vendor because that denotes to me that you can have any kind of product, whether it be candles or soap or anything that you're selling that's something you didn't produce. I generally do shows where you have to be jured into the show. You have to be selected by a group of artists to be admitted into a fine art expo. So I wanted to focus on that, number one. Um, yes, I do. I put myself in shows where the artists or fine artists are all displaying their work collectively. You might have 100, 200 different artists, whether it be craft people, people making jewelry. And my focus mostly is on two-dimensional art, which is canvas and or masonite. Or, and my new thing that I'm working on as far as the surface acrylic glass. So that is another niche that I've created because people don't allow to see a 
lot of artists working on acrylic glass. And on top of that, I'm working in mixed media on acrylic glass. So that's where I created a niche. So people like the translucency of it and the, the, private, the vibrant colors that come on when you apply paint to acrylic glass. It took me many years to come up with this concept and this style because um, it's hard to create paints on top of glass and make it stick. So I had to figure out how to do that. And there's a lot of different things I have to do in order to make that work. Okay, but tell us, when you're an exhibitor and you're in your space, your booth, how are people approaching you when they come into the space? How do they start the conversation? How do you start the conversation? What's the buyer's, seller's dance inside of an artist's booth? Well, they come up to my booth and they say, I love the colors. I hear that 90% of the time. So like I said, the colors is like the melody. It draws you to the paintings. It's like music. The melody of the music draws you to the, to the, the, the artist that's recording music. Secondly, the next question is, how did you do that? So like I said, I created a niche where people have to figure out, how did I create this on glass? And when they find out that I'm not just working, they want to know if it's a watercolor or if it's just one medium I'm using. When I say I'm using different mediums, that really is an attractive draw for them because they're not used to seeing a lot of mixed media artists. Um, so I get them to come to the booth because of that. Now, my thing is, you have to create the best art you can possibly create when you're creating in your studio because you're, you're not competing, but you're, you're showing and displaying with several hundred artists. And when people come to your booth, they have to see something that no one else has made them feel great about other than your booth or your work. So they can go and rouse around the whole show after looking at your artwork, and then they don't see anything that really drew them emotionally and spiritually like your work, which brings them back after they see in the whole show back to your booth. So that's why I'm a stickler about making what I consider masterpieces every time I go to the canvas or the acrylic glass is because I have to create something that when they do the whole show, they don't see nothing else that they have, that appeals to them like your work. So it all begins with quality. Quality has to quality be. Quality is the, the, the number one product. Mm -hmm. Now, any particular preparations you do leading into an exhibit um, in terms of how you want to structure the booth, what's your vision of how it looks, mm -hmm. and how you want the potential customers to react to it. Is that is that a planning process for yes. you? Yes. Um, one of the planning processes is to have a nice backdrop because when you do George shows, getting back to that, most of the time you have to show four shots when you're doing this thing called application. You have to go online to apply for these George shows. And they want to see four pictures of your paintings and one picture of your booth. Your booth can be the thing that not gets you into the show. So your booth has to have a great artist gallery-like presentation. I frame my pictures with the best frames I can come up with. I make it look as close to an art gallery as possible. I don't clutter my booth. I make it look real nice. And I also let the viewers come in, the patrons, come in and be able to walk around the booth without any obstruction. So to me, they have to be able to walk in. I don't even get in my booth. I stand outside of the booth so they can walk in without the intimidation of me being right there, looking over their shoulder asking them questions. I just ask them, I say, listen, 
if I'm the artist, if you see anything you like, let me know. Then I stay out of the way. And then I have to ask them, when they get ready to walk out the booth, I ask them, do they have any questions? Okay. Now, um, any particular advice to young exhibitors and how they can make their space interactive? Because that seems to be the, 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 the marketing uh, approach these days, to make things interactive. Of course, you mentioned how you set it up. Color is important. Mm -hmm. I like what you said about you're almost taking the booth and making it feel like a gallery. Mm -hmm. Of course, we think of galleries as being interactive. Uh, patron is looking at the artwork. They're confronting it. It's confronting them. So all these dynamics are just as important when you're set up as a booth outside the gallery as, as when you're in the gallery, I assume. Is that correct? Yes. Well, one of the things, when you're doing outdoor expos or art festivals, it's harder to get electricity. So let's say you have something where you have to show something, videos or in, in a multimedia. It's harder to do that because you don't have any availability of uh, electric. So indoor festivals or indoor art expos are easier to plug in something where you can have a video going at the same time as your as you're um, displaying your artwork, so you can have that thing going. To me, the interactive is you conversating, interacting with the patrons that come in your booth. You can't be standoffish. You have to engage conversation with them. And a lot of times they might say, oh, that looks like the Cosmos, which is one of my series, which is Metamorphosis series. It reminds me of, so I get into, like it's, it's inspired by the NASA's telescope, the Hubble telescope, and so forth. So the fact that I can just conversate with them in a conversation that we would not normally have if they were just walking down the street is the interactive for me. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. Um, any particular questions that you typically get from a patron um, uh, as you're in your space, like the number one or number two questions that a, that, that, that a patron or potential patron, they'll come in and ask Give us an idea of that. Okay, well, I'm, I'm attention to detail, even with my abstracts. So being that I work in mixed media, my biggest question I get most of the time, 95% of the time, is how did you make that? They can't figure out whether it's just watercolor, whether it's just oil, whether it's pastel, whether it's uh, acrylics. So my whole question is always answering, I have to come up with, different ways of how to answer, how did you make that? And I like the idea that people can come up on your work and still not be able to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you can see something from a distance, but when you get up on it, it doesn't have the same intensity or detail as when you're looking at it from a distance. I look, I try to have pictures that it looks good from far off, and when you even come up on it, you still can't figure out whether what medium I'm using. So people are looking on it, they want to touch it. And one of the things I'm doing recently is I'm adding crystals and agate stones. And they like the geos on the paintings. Mm -hmm. That seems to be a big draw for me. And for some reason, because uh, I'm telling a story about the geo, and that's another thing that I have conversations with the clients about, is that the geo is billions and millions of years old. And it was even in the dinosaur bones, and it was in volcanoes. So... The geos are a conversation piece in itself. So you do talk to your customers, oh, all potential the time. customers. All the time. Even if they're not potential. Just mm -hmm. the fact that I'm engaging with them, that to me is the multimedia or mm -hmm. interactive 
aspect of my booth that a lot of artists don't always engage in. Do you find it helpful to bring an assistant, someone to help you with the sales, so perhaps you can stay in a lane of more information of how you made it, what it's made of, why you're an artist, all those sorts of things. And when it gets more to the commercial end of it, not that there's a fine line between the two, mm. someone else can take over at that point. Is that beneficial uh, or not? Uh, I have some people that do have like their husband and wife team. I generally used to have a, a friend of mine who used to help me out, but she is no longer available. And, um, but she was my you know helper. In I need somebody to maybe sometimes help me rap, um, maybe write up an invoice. But no one can really describe my work like me. Mm -hmm. I find that I'm the person who can close the sale. What about price? Well, I think you have to give people options. So I try to have a table with 8x10s and up. So 8x10s might be $25, and then you go gradually move. And then it, like they might see an original painting, and I might say, well, what's your budget? It's in this size, 16 by 20, 11 by 14, 30 by 40, and so and so. So it gives people an option to what they can do financially according to their budget. So you want people to purchase the art at whatever level they're at at that particular time. Most of us artists out there, we want impulse buys. We do think of it as advertising because people don't know you exist. They get a chance to see what your work looks like. You're putting it in front of yourself in front of thousands of people which is what I try to do. So you're giving out business cards, you are advertising, but at the end of the day, there is a bottom line. You're still trying to, because you have expenses of traveling, you might have to stay in a hotel, uh, expenses of framing, maybe making some G-clays prior to the show. So you try to recoup some of those investments, return on your investment, like the booth fee. So there's a lot of investments that you're putting into marketing yourself. So you have to think of some people, and for me, it might be five to ten people that make my show. I might see 10,000 people, but five or ten people are going to make my show. And if they buy a couple of originals and some limited editions or G-Clays and a couple of 8x10s or whatever variety that I'm, that I'm selling at that particular day or that show, that makes up for your investment you invested into the show. So you do have the originals. That's, that's, that's really the core of your exhibition. The originals are what I use as the billboards. That's right. They draw the people over, and then you try to sell the limited editions and things of that nature. And those who want to buy only originals, then you're there prepared to you know, sell them an original. But you do have framed mini prints that yes. people can buy. Starting up. So they can from. take your image home, take a likeness of you home. Correct. They have had a conversation with you, and so that seems to build that trail of sales right. after the event. Is that correct? You, yeah. Yes, you got to have something. For me, mm -hmm. I'm going to start doing for next year, I'm going to start doing 11 by 14 originals. I can do them quickly. Um, I could do for maybe four or five, ten at a time. So, therefore, that gives me something where it's, it's not taking up a lot of time and you can sell them at reasonable prices. Okay, David Lawrence, thank you very much. Uh, this is the October Gallery Podcast. Uh, you can find us online at octobergallery.com. And if you go to octobergallery.com and use the search engine there and type in David Lawrence, his store will pop up.